Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener. Welcome to episode 18 of Magnificent Huge. This week, the team and I decided to try something new, talk about a movie we actually enjoy, which I know is shocking, because we hate everything, apparently. Because everything is horrible. But this week, we're doing the 1984 cult movie classic, Repo Man, starring Emilio Estevez and Harry Dean Stanton. The feature debut of a man named Alex Cox, who also gave us Sid and Nancy before he slid into a multi-decade career of just dreck unwatchable films just don't even bother if you don't know what repo man is our first reaction is flip you you flipping melon farmer you just stop this podcast you stop it right now you go find this movie you watch it too sweet when you come back you'll probably have a few questions though chief among them being what in the hell did i just watch and that friends is the beauty of repo man it defies any neatly packaged description and is probably the greatest punk movie ever made with one of the greatest soundtracks ever made Period. End of story. It's both a tribute to and a vivisection of punk culture in Ronald Reagan's America of the 1980s. It is, quite simply put, a plate of shrimp. So join us, won't you, for episode 18 of the Magnum's The Huge podcast, our tribute to the majesty and wonder of Repo Man. And if you like what you hear, please send us emails. We're at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at maghuge, hashtag maghuge. We're on Facebook slash magnificentlyhuge. Uh, like our page, like our tweets, like our posts. Uh, just send us some messages. Let us know you're out there. Uh, that's it. Welcome to episode 18. This is Chris. This is Brian. This is Eric. Uh, and together we're something. Eric. We're together. Yeah, we're together. We're Eric. Together. We're Eric. We complete Eric. I just want to start out by saying I'm ill. And so my energy is going to be much lower today. It'll probably be a lot more NPR for me. So this you're, you'll be Ira Glass today. Uh, yeah, though. I usually go with um, what's her name? Terry Gross. Terry Gross. That's it. I'm Terry Gross. Well, uh, then let's do a very subdued version of uh, the little weekly this is what we're doing thing called fresh shit this shit is fresh i started watching atlanta did anybody start watching atlanta what is atlanta is that the uh the the glover show yes okay. yes uh, uh the donald glover written created TV show about a guy who becomes the manager of his cousin who's an up-and-coming rapper and I'm only a couple of episodes in but it is it is one of those brutally honest shows it's still funny but it's it's not a sitcom is it a cringy show better than that no I've seen a couple episodes it's not cringy but it's not like jokey humor it's all very much rooted in the, the characters yeah and it's the sort of brutal reality of being poor and black it's you know it it doesn't pull punches as a white guy who's not who's not poor uh i of course have no idea if it speaks to the reality of being poor and black so that's really a dumb thing to say but it's a good show awesome yeah i saw uh a couple bits here and there when it was first aired but i never actually had a chance to sit down and watch it from the beginning so whenever it's on netflix i guess is that where you saw it i'm watching it on hulu oh the the hollow the hula blue all right so just a TV show, that's it? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. A subdued week for Eric. On Thursday, I, I came home from work at about noon, and I went into a sleep coma. I think I've been awake about 10 hours since then. Otherwise, I've just been asleep. So nothing much has changed. No, this is more sleep than even I should get. I had some wacky dreams, though. Let me tell you. Those, <laughs> those fever oh, dreams you are did, the best. Did you have the one where you're a snake wearing a vest rolling a donut down the street? Mm, no is that a common one <laughs> well that's that's from peewee's big adventure it's the only one i know oh no i had the one where i was a side character in the star wars universe while other shit was going on 
So you got to watch a lot of people get fired. Star Wars? People get fired in Star Wars? All the time. Uh, they get blown up. Yeah, they mostly. get dead. <laughs> they don't get fired. They get set on fire. Like, if you're not a Skywalker, your whole planet is probably fucked. Yeah, you, everyone's a red shirt. I was talking more like the uh, the actual production crew. I went a whole other direction. Oh. I think literal Star Wars. I don't get into the whole fantasy element. Oh, you you should try sleeping and dreaming sometime. It's it's fabulous. <laughs> I've had dreams lately where I'm like, oh, this is a really interesting dream. I should write this down. And then I dream about writing the dream down. <laughs> and then I wake up and I'm like, God damn it. I didn't write any of that shit down. Yeah, but it is a thing. If, if you ever do write it down, when you wake up, it always resembles something along the lines of uh, potatoes and noses are very red. And tasty. In a couple of years, Google will figure out a way to hook up Google Drive to your mind, so you'll actually be able to keep all those notes. Unfortunately, you'll also have to look at a bunch of ads for, you know, Isuzu's on sale in your city. Yeah, that thing you searched for once, it's going to show up in every dream now. Yeah. Mm. I have a feeling that's the aspect that's going to be missing from the next Blade Runner movie, is uh, all of the pernicious ads and everything. A production of Oedipus Rex is going on in your city. We're showing you this because you once dreamed about having sex with your mother. <laughs> well, that's that's your filter bubble, Eric. I don't know about mine. But <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just me. Just me. <laughs> Fine. Wink, wink. Well, then, Brian, that's a good segue for what you your, your shiznit was this week. Do you have a PSA? No, I don't. Damn it. Strangely enough, that actually is a good segue, though. All right, so two things from me this week. Uh, one is another podcast that I support on Patreon. So I have a hell of a time getting to sleep. I can't fucking sleep. I'm actually, I take Lunesta, which works really well. But what I found out was I was falling asleep really well when I was watching like DVD commentaries. Like I, and you guys experience this. I'm really good at falling asleep in movies and waking up for the end credits. Yeah, you are. <laughs> it finally occurred to me that uh, listening to somebody talk was a good way to put me down. So I started trying to find podcasts to listen to. That's kind of how I got into listening to podcasts. The problem is that, you know, you start to listen to a podcast that you're interested in and you don't want to fall asleep or you do fall asleep and then you miss the podcast you wanted to hear and you end up listening to it like five times. But I found a podcast that is explicitly for people like myself. It's called the Sleep With Me Podcast. And it's this dude who rambles on incoherently his whole podcast is <laughs> deliberately built to make no goddamn sense and he tells bedtime stories about just you know random fairy gumdrop bullshit that mean nothing and it's just it's literally there to help people get to sleep and he has a patreon i support him so that's a thing excellent i've listened to that show it is very effective and it's not just because of the stories but because he has a very sort of sleepy voice. I, yeah. I, I think he was actually, he was either on the Cracked podcast or uh, Harmontown or some other show I listened to. And he was talking about how people always said his voice makes them fall asleep. So he just turned it into a thing. <laughs> hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome to the Sleep With Me Patreon page. Uh, thanks for coming. And even though it's boring and kind of pointless meanders, I want them to be excellent ones. So basically, this is not something that I should listen to at work, is what you're telling me. Oh, it depends on your job, I suppose. It's pretty sedate, so, you know. Yeah, so that's my one. And then the other is uh, we've been watching Halt and Catch Fire, the AMC series, uh, watching it on Netflix. Yeah. It's weird because it starts off being almost the story of compact computers in Texas mm -hmm. in the uh, late in the early 80s, and it starts out being fairly accurate, and then it just doesn't. It like starts going weird directions. I've watched the first two s series, as the British say, mm -hmm. and yeah, I got that feeling. It was the Silicon Desert, or whatever they call it in in Texas. Yeah. And it's Texas Instruments and Compact. Right. I was real interested in that. And uh, yeah, then it jumped over into uh, network stuff and everyone is like discovering like one week somebody invents AOL and the next week somebody invents email. It's like, right, you're going way too fast. 
at the very least, introduce some different characters to accomplish those things and tell those stories. Yeah, yeah. It should have been like an American horror story where there's a whole new cast each season. It's a good show. I'm into season three, and it's suddenly become kind of a slog for for us. I, they moved the show to San Francisco, and so part of that is just me, you know, looking at shots of the bay and going, fuck, I miss the bay. Um, but part of it is just, I don't know, like, They've taken Lee Pace's character, who has always been a Steve Jobs analog, but now they're like really Steve Jobsing him, and he's like enigmatic and charismatic and an asshole <laughs> to a whole different level. And at this point, I can't look at him without seeing Ronan the Accuser from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. What? Not the um, elf? Not the Elf King from The Hobbit? No, I've utterly forgotten the hobbit movies but well he's sure. he's the elf king it's funny how often he plays somebody british considering he's from oklahoma <laughs> yeah well he's the pie man leave him alone anyway definitely recommend season one of halt and catch fire season two's all right season three you know everyone i know who's watched the show says ooh, ooh it gets really good in season three and i'm like waiting for that to happen so we'll see mm. so you're just the snob in the group sure i dropped out in season two so i watched the first episode uh a while ago i saw the fly my mom, Your mom saw, the, saw fly. the fly <laughs> we up. cannot go a week without doing that <laughs> no we can't it's our thing my children saw the fly shut up i never saw the fly but no psas brian nothing no no i got I, I got so used to them this week has i mean i was actually struggling to come up with fresh shit this week i had a psl this week because starbucks has the pumpkin spice lattes again no <laughs> fuck that psl fuck that the more you know. What about you, Chris? Uh, I went to the dentist. That was good. That's my PSA. Go to the dentist. Don't be a yuck mouth. They call you yuck mouth? Because <laughs> I brush. don't brush. I like my teeth. They call me, they call me yuck mouth. Because I don't brush. Oh, I like my teeth like this. So yeah, I went to the dentist. That was cool. I saw Tomorrowland this week. Oh, what'd you make of that? Uh, kind of disappointing, frankly. That one scene where they escape the house is is really great. Well, that's the thing is I really like Brad Bird as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Giant is really super good, and The Incredibles is one of my favorite movies ever. And Incredibles is probably the best superhero movie ever yeah, made. Yeah, I love it. That's that's my favorite Pixar ab- above all else. And then I think he did the, one of those Mission Impossible movies, which was kind of fun. Yeah. yeah, It was the most fun Mission Impossible movie. The one with him scaling the Burj Khalifa. That, I think, was actually really <laughs> yeah. neat. And he got to blow up the Kremlin. Uh, that's, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> but Tomorrowland, it was just this weird... I mean, it's a Disney flick, and you can tell it's a Disney flick, but then they do this weird sort of... Uh, we kind of want to do Wizard of Oz, but then, hey, let's throw in some Race to Witch Mountain in it. Uh, that was sort of yeah. the two things that I kept going back and forth with on it. And I'm like, just make up your mind. Do something original. It does have that 70s Disney live-action movie tone, though, yeah. doesn't it? Like, they yeah. capture that really well. And I think that might have been the aesthetic choice, I guess. I mean, you've named it Tomorrowland, so obviously it's it owes everything to the Disney company putting it out. But then you get into, like, the and this is not really spoiling it for anybody, but the, there's a little girl in it who ends up being a, a robot, yeah, a replicant, whatever. That actress is actually pretty good. Yeah, and she did good, but it, that also sort of uh, distracted me because it reminded me of that show Small Wonder. She's a small <laughs> wonder, a child unlike other girls. And I, got, like, just, I just started drifting off thinking about how awful that shit was. I totally did not make that connection. This is also a movie that has, like, it's kind of a political statement, but it it's a confused one yeah it's like is this about global warming is this about nuclear war what is this about one of the things that they hit which is one of the drums i beat is this notion of people rooting for the apocalypse like people who want the world to just turn to shit and that's kind of a self-fulfilling self-propagating attitude it also has this really and randian bent to it of you know, what would happen to the world if all the smart people said, fuck all y'all, we're going to go do our own thing. <laughs> well, I think we're kind of living it now, aren't we? <laughs> I don't know. Where are there, Did the smart people, are they gone? That might explain things. I don't see any. I don't see any. <laughs> they're not here. No, they're definitely not here. I guess here. I'm not a smart person then. I Shit, think I, I wanted out. to like that film so much. I was so on board. And I think the first half of it, I was like, oh man, this is so neat. These are such great ideas for a film. But... 
then they betrayed them all by saying, okay, none of them are real, and this is all horseshit. And yeah. I, I, I realize the things I loved most about that movie are all the things I love about Rick and Morty, because there it's all real, and it's all happening, and you're all on board for it. This was more like, all this wonderful stuff, well, it could have happened. It didn't. That's a drag. Well, plus in this one, you don't really get any solid break, like, eh, you know, it's just Morty's killing Morty's. What are you going to do? Once the movie stopped being an old guy telling everybody else to fuck off and leave him alone in his house, Eric tuned out. <laughs> exactly. No, once they got to the actual future world and it was like, you know, they, they had stopped construction, on, you know, in month two. That I was like, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so that one was, so yeah, ultimately disappointing, uh, which is probably why it took me so long to watch it, but whatever. Uh, and then lastly, I did catch the uh, the new track from Marilyn Manson for his upcoming album. The song is called We Know Where You Fucking Live uh, and it's quite quite fun. So. It's a nice place like this To around people like us Very angry, very, very much uh, the Marilyn Manson from back in the days of yore. I still think of Marilyn Manson is the guy who will eventually cover every song ever recorded. Yeah, I forgot he did Stigmata, <laughs> and then I had found Happy it. Happy birthday uh, to you! Yeah. Happy birthday to you! <laughs> Happy birthday! In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight! The lion sleeps tonight! <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, it's sort of a counterpoint to the uh, the Gary Newman thing that we've been rolling of late. Uh, so now that's the, the the new thing coming out that's kind of an old thing, but new. Yay. Yay. So that's the, that's the fresh shit, unless anybody's got other stuff. Fresh goes better. On to the show. Tylenol flu is really awesome. I've been taking Tylenol <laughs> flu. Is that the stuff you have to heat up and put in the, the hot water, like tea? Yeah. It's Theraflu. Oh, okay. That, like that. They make it. They make a Tylenol makes their own sort of flu brew. Yeah. Hey, that shit works. So you roll in like the the Tylenol and you get the Vicks Vapor Rub and all that stuff. No, I don't have that kind of. Uh, it's not like I I have anything with my my throat or coughing or lung butter or anything like that. It's just achy and fevery. Okay. I'm also a big fan of going to the pharmacy and saying, "Give me the real Sudafed." <laughs> And then you, you like fill out the fucking form because they don't they want to see if you're making meth. Yeah, you like jerk around a little bit, just just a little bit, act paranoid. Uh, I should I should like pick at my skin. <laughs> you should just going like you're tweaking. Uh, you got your real Sudafed, man. Not that bullshit, but the real stuff. <laughs> well, that's kind of an interesting segue into the show, which uh, we're doing about the Uber cult film called repo man anybody heard of this thing i have i think we all magically found our way to repo man separately and just at some point in high school during some conversation we all went oh shit i've seen that yeah i think that happened to everybody the way i got to it was my brother so going back to like the original music episode when i was talking about musical influences my brother had the soundtrack and it was through that that I, you know, I started listening to, well, that soundtrack. So you got institutionalized yeah. and... I'm not crazy. You're the one who's crazy. All I wanted was a fucking Pepsi. All I wanted was <laughs> a Pepsi. Just one Pepsi. I can't wait to get into me. Just a Pepsi. We're gonna have a TV party tonight. All right. We're gonna have a TV party. All right. Well, we're already onto the soundtrack, but that apparently was how most people found the movie because Universal had a like a change in executives and they dumped it, and then the soundtrack is what got people to come around to the movie. But I owe it to my brother. Yeah, RCA was the label, and they were looking at the numbers, and it was selling. I think they had sold like fifty thousand some odd copies, and so they went to their parent company at Universal and said, "What the hell?" And they said, "Okay, well maybe we should re-release this thing." And then that's where it found its second life. On. Uh, VHS and whatnot. 
I think I caught it on cable late one night, and I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I saw it from the middle to the end, and then the credits were rolling in the in the wrong direction. And I went, oh, I got to watch this again someday. And <laughs> I forgot about yeah, that. I was on yeah. board. Every time I watch it, I'm taken aback by that. I'm like, wait, well, what? Oh, I get it. Okay. <laughs> so Eric was the first friend of mine that actually had cable, and at the time, that was like, on TV, it was like it took over one of the UHF stations at night, and the TV station got scrambled, and you had to have a little box to to descramble it. Was this the edited for TV version? I've seen the edited for TV version, which <laughs> yeah, it's I awesome. have been fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oh my god, we can talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, but no, it was just that Eric was my, you know, was how I got cable. In the 80s, <laughs> my mom never bought cable, and so I just kept going over to Eric's house. That's the only way he could get friends in those days. Thanks. Yeah. I have cable. I have cable. I didn't want friends back then. You people just kept <laughs> kept like sticking to me. <laughs> but you had cable. Yeah, you shouldn't have told us you had cable, you dick. Yeah. We want our MTV, damn it. I want my MTV! I want my MTV. I want my MTV! Well, the thing I like about uh, Repo Man is it just it's so difficult to describe in like an elevator pitch format. I mean, you can't just sit down with someone who's never seen it and go, it's this, boom, you're done. Uh, you have to do this long, rambling, sort of multi-sentence structure to kind of get the gist. But I had found some people who had uh, written about it, and there's a lot of stuff out there, but one of my favorites was uh, from the Criterion website, where they're actually talking about it, and the, and the guy, Sam McFeeters is his name. But he described it as, it's an, an apocalypse tale with no doomsday, a punk movie with no concert, a science fiction story with less than 10 seconds of aliens. And that to me, after you've seen the movie, that pretty much sums it up to me. A punk with no future and no options gets uh, connected with a guy who's a professional car repossessor. The guy makes him his, uh, 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 his student of the repo. And, and he becomes a repo man. And all the while, there is a 65... Was it a Valiant? It was a Chevy Malibu. Malibu, right. A 64 Malibu that has a huge price on it. And so all the repo men want it. What I love about the movie is I hate people who get really entrenched in plot. Like, plot is the most important thing. Plot is like the dumb man's sm smart thing. It's like when, when people criticize misspellings, you know, as the most intellectually high ground they can take <laughs> that's what people do when they say i didn't like the plot you know this is a movie that is low on plot and high on everything else and that's what i love about it another guy from a site called den of geek jim nipful i guess is his name uh but the way he described it, this is what what alex cox the director had done uh for this debut he made a 90 minute film version of a hardcore song and he didn't take any of it seriously. <laughs> and, that, and that's pretty much what it is. He just takes all of these elements and just shoves them all together to make this just goofy treat that doesn't make a lick of sense if you actually try to follow it. But mm. it all has a very solid whole. So it, it definitely is greater than the sum of its parts. I think a big part of what makes Repo Man Repo Man is, correct me if, if you disagree, but I think this was the point where punk really breaks through and becomes a mainstream thing for suburban white kids well that's the interesting thing about that particularly that came out in 84 and so punk had already been around for a bit and a lot of adults had fretted and you just gotten really freaked out about punk as a, a movement i guess but i think when repo man came out that was probably the first like non-condescending just almost yeah true depiction of punk culture and also a cartoonish one yeah but, and at the yeah. same time it's it's totally pulling the rug out from that idea of punk culture so it's sort of walking this weird tightrope and that's why i love it so much because it's oh that's totally true you know they're doing their thing and then like you've got the scene later where he's, he's like we're you're just a white suburban punk just like me you're a white suburban punk just like me uh and so it's just like this giant fuck you to everything even punk culture but leading up to that, you had all of the stuff. Uh, 82 seems to be a watershed year, because that's you. You get the uh, the show Quincy M.E. with Jack Klugman, who's the... That's just the most punk thing I can think of. <laughs> well, he got a, he's got a show that they did in 82 called Next Stop Nowhere, which is basically all about these 
punks and one of them winds up dead at a show and then quincy apparently has never heard of punk before and he's just astonished at how violent it is and he pretty much correlates the murder to the lyrics and whatnot and and blames punk culture and then they get on this like talk show with parents and punks and sort of hash it out (laughs) like the the donahue episode it's just it's on youtube you just you should watch it just just for the sake of watching it you've got to see it with your own eyes to believe it quince I've seen children come off that dance floor with crushed ribs and bloody faces, like soldiers fighting some kind of insane war. What could persuade a kid to act like that? Maybe the greatest persuader there is. Music. I want to get off! Actually, it sounds more like that episode of Dragnet when they get Sergeant Friday and the the drug guru (laughs) professor, uh, who's very Leary-esque, on the TV show. I know, and so do you. When you flip out on an acid trip, you never know when you're going to slip out again. The minute they drop one acid capsule or ingest it in any way, they bought the farm. They've lost any chance to depend on and even restore that most precious of all inner senses, judgment. And in my way of thinking, without judgment, you might as well be dead. Your brain is, so why not the rest of you? Well, this is, yeah, it's, this is sort of the same thing, where it's just they've, the, the older generation sort of picking up on what the kids are into, quote-unquote, yeah, and then fretting about it. So it's the same as the greasers or the hippies or whatever but it's just the punks. But the band they feature in it is, is, is the fictional band is called Mayhem, uh, mm. and they actually sing a song called Next Stop Nowhere. Next Stop Nowhere, I want to get on! And my only beef with that, apart from just, it's these adult observation of punk culture, so they dress them in these just ridiculous clothes that aren't actually punk. It's just, <laughs> oh, they've, you know, their hair's up or they got makeup on their face or whatnot. Right. Uh, but the song they sing, Next Stop Nowhere, is like four some odd minutes. I'm like, that's not, <laughs> if that was a real punk band, that thing would be over a minute and a half, two minutes tops right. on the next one. I don't think you really get any solid punk rock uh, representation until Return of the Living Dead. Like apart from Repo Man? Because Return of the Living Dead came out in like 85. After Repo Man. Like from Repo Man to, okay, what's next that takes it, if not seriously, doesn't treat it like a prop, it would be yeah, that. Decline and Fall of Western Civilization. But that's a documentary, isn't it? That was like 81. Yeah, and Suburbia was the other one. Suburbia, yeah. 82 is a weird watershed year because Chips also did an episode where they uh, focused on punk called Battle of the Bands. And that one's a very fun episode because you've got William Forsyth, uh, who would be in Raising Arizona and, and a bunch of other things, was the punk singer for a band called Pain. And they sing a song called I Dig Pain. And now, all the way from the hills of Holly Weird, welcome Pain! so ridiculous uh, and then later in the episode after the crimes have been solved and, and they're doing the the end uh Ponch is actually on stage in the battle of bands and he does a, a rendition of celebration by cool in the gang <laughs> chris is just doing this to make me dig through all these old fucking shows and dig up the goddamn clips <laughs> oh, fucker. Uh, it's so amazing Oh, okay. There was the uh, Kirk Douglas uh, movie, uh, Tough Guys, uh, yes. with the, the two oh, old God. guys who get out of jail. Exactly. And and uh, Kirk Douglas starts dating this uh, young woman, and she takes him to a punker show, and a guy slams into him. And he's like, come on, dude, slam me, slam me. So he punches him in the face, and then he's like, oh, I dig this. And so he's walking through a mosh pit, just punching people in the face and getting into it (laughs) yeah because he's kirk fucking douglas that's why yeah i did rewatch repo man prepping for this show and i had to admit that when they had the short scene where they had the pit going i was like oh yeah i fucking remember being in one of those bitches yeah they're good (laughs) you go to a concert now the kids are like standing still with their fucking phones in their hands and they put their hand like up over their head and just kind of make a little circle with it it's like fuck you, hit somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. That's that's more like the uh, the eighty seven after school special, the the day my kid went punk, where it's just like there's nothing <laughs> punk at you. all in this thing. It's some <laughs> fucking clips, you bastard. Man. Oh, I already did. Nanner nanner boo boo. See, I think all of that stuff was necessary for our sort of adult view of culture yeah. versus actual damage. 
you know it's yeah. like we can now look at all that stuff as hilariously silly it's just music it's not you know it's not cutting open your cat yeah and the only reason well, we do that is because we had to watch these dumbass things <laughs> that was so specific <laughs> but uh well i like just that it that it all spawned there's an actual phrase uh called quincy punks that is used as an insult <laughs> to people that are just super posers uh and it's it's so prevalent i guess that the band spoon even has a song called quincy punk episode oh wow. they hate you and berate you and say screw you yeah. exactly so it's just all it's just weird that the, the perception on movies and tv yeah. that they have of punk culture but repo man was really one of the only ones that got it right uh and that's what i like about it so much oh another one that comes to mind uh the movie get crazy which was uh not exactly a sequel to rock and roll high school but it was the same guy who made rock and roll high school and there's a lot of shit music in there but there's one part in there with leaving from fear uh leave mr body yeah and clue uh, i gotta find mr body oh oh yeah that's right the movie um i didn't know what the fuck you were doing there uh yeah i'll have to find it but uh yeah he does hoochie coochie man and it is it is fucking bad i like in a good way the way the kids say it bad but meaning good But it was sort of sad that Harry Dean Stanton did pass uh, just yesterday before we recorded this episode. And it's not our fault. I just want to be on record with that. It is the best Harry Dean Stanton movie. There are a lot of Harry Dean Stanton movies. (laughs) There are some good ones. But this is the reason anyone knows him by name. Otherwise, he'd just be that guy from Alien. Yeah. Well, I I went back and rewatched the the closing scene to Paris, Texas, the Vim Vendors movie uh, that he also did in 84. And that is just the most soul-crushing uh, monologue that I have ever seen on film, more or less. I mean, it just it destroys me every time I see it. It's so sad. And he dreamed about this place without knowing its name. And when he woke up, he was on fire. There were blue flames burning the sheets of his bed. He ran through the flames toward the only two people he loved but they were gone. It's just funny that he did that the same year that he did Repo Man and crushed it. Harry Dean Stanton was one of those character actors that, you know, for me, living with a single mom, he was he was one of my cinema dads, if that makes any sense. Is that because of Pretty in Pink? Probably. Probably okay. mostly because of Pretty in Pink, but, but he was sort of like, you know, the old man wisdom was coming from other sources and harry <laughs> dean stanton was one of them and possibly repo man just this old you know frustrated guy who's trying to adhere to a way of behaving that no one else has yeah. any regard for exactly and and don't forget about red dawn avenge me avenge <laughs> right. me that's right that's right holy shit he was in kelly's heroes as well every time i watch that movie and he pops up i like do a double take I'm like yeah. what <laughs> he, he's been around since the dawn of time yeah it's amazing so i was i mean at my house was my mom and was my great aunt esther who is now 91 and harry dean stanton was 91 when he died which means that my aunt esther is retroactively cooler for just being the same age as harry dean stanton it's like one of those william burroughs moments where <laughs> it's interesting all right you realize that someone in the in the older generation is is a contemporary of someone else that you're like, hey, I really you dig that person. Okay, so here's why we're doing Repo Man. It's culturally a, a high water mark for punk rock. It's actually the high water mark for the guy who made it because oof. Oh yeah, yeah, Alex Cox. His career is is a weird weird. Like I won the. I won the first race, and then everything else is kind it's of... It's like watching somebody fall down, but it takes him like a hundred yards to <laughs> yeah, reach exactly. the ground. He just keeps falling. Yeah, I mean, Repo Man is pretty much... He hit it out of the park. It is so weird and so odd and so fun. And then he goes and does his super polished uh, Sid and Nancy. Mm-hmm. And it's I can still watch it. Oldman is really good in it. But it's always ruined by some of the side casting. Like Chloe Webb 
as Nancy Spongeon just walking through the whole thing going, Sid! Sid! I thought that was effective because you can understand why he knifed her. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, I mean, it's a great, it's a great thing for Gary Oldman, but uh, I don't really ever need to see Sid and Nancy again. No, it's good. I mean, and it's got the Joe Strummer thing going with the music, which kind mm-hmm. of sets him up. But then you know, you get to something like Straight Out of Hell or Straight to Hell. Is it yeah it, from Straight 87? to Hell, starring Joe Strummer and Courtney uh, Love and the Pogues? Yeah, and, and Dick Rude. Well, that whole thing was they were going to do yeah, yeah, Jim Jarmusch. Costello and Dennis Hopper show up. Ah, it's just um, awful. Is that the movie with the Dennis Hopper line, where you're coming from is gone, where you're going to weren't never there? Is, yeah, I think that, so. Okay. But yeah, fuck that movie. Apparently, Joe Strummer and the Pogues were going to tour Nicaragua, and then all this shit went down down there, and they had to cancel the tour. And so uh, Alex Cox is like, uh, let's go fuck around in the desert, make fun of spaghetti westerns. And yeah. Well, he and, and Dick Rude wrote that script in like three days. And Dick Root is the guy that plays Duke in Repo Man. He's like, yeah, yeah. let's go get sushi, not pay. And so it's just this, <laughs> I can't tell if he's trying to spoof spaghetti westerns or what the hell's going on, but it's a really difficult movie to watch from start to finish. Yeah, it's a drinking movie. I don't think I've ever been able to do it apart from the first time when I watched it. And from there, Alex Cox's career went straight to hell. No, that was Walker. Yeah, Walker's okay. the one that shut him down. Even though Walker is not as bad as people think, it's it's actually, I think, at times really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's not supposed it's, to be, but it's funny. Bother. It's Well, the best part about it is the thing that gets all the press is that it, it takes place in the 19th century and it, it about an American that goes down and infe- effectively invades Nicaragua and then installs right. himself as dictator. And, and it's a true story. Assassinated. It's a true story. True, true story. Uh, but... There are great things in there with Peter Boyle saying, you see this cocksucker? He's on the cover of Newsweek. And he's holding a copy of Newsweek in the 19th century. And, and there's like pans across uh, 19th century offices and there's uh, personal computers on the desk. So he purposely put in all these weird anachronisms just to sort of jar you mm-hmm. into making connection to, to say that. that it's still going on. I mean, Walker's speech in the end is we will always be in charge of Nicaragua. You will never be free of us. And he's fucking right. It's a very big statement against uh, the Monroe Doctrine and whatnot. But then at the end, when the helicopters come in, and then it becomes like this weird Vietnam metaphor kind of thing. I mean, it's just all this weird shit going on. So I applaud him for trying to do something goofy and interesting, but it's just, it's a hard one to watch because it's just so all over the place. So he's never really matched Repo Man, which is unfortunate. Repo Man, I think, is his, is his crowning achievement. And the, the fact that it even got made is a miracle. Like, the, the casting on that is perfection, but the fact that when I went back and, and had read about it uh, over, over the years, like, Dennis Hopper was almost the character of Bud, uh, immortalized, immortalized by Harry Dean Stanton. I think at one point mm-hmm. they, they were trying to get Mick Jagger for Bud. Mm-hmm. It's like, what Terrible the, idea. What the fuck? Now, hey, did, you, did everyone, has everyone already noticed that all the, the main Repo characters are named after beer? Yeah, yep. Bud, Bud, Miller, and Light. Oli, Light, Miller, yeah. The other thing is the main characters, uh, as played by Emilio Estevez, is named Otto, which is the number eight. And then you can get into a whole deal about that. Cause it's eight. I think people are assigning way too much credit to like thematic resonance and stuff in this movie. For example, the the big quotable speech about someone saying plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp yeah that wasn't even in the script that was like sides that were written for auditions that the actors (laughs) were like wait this isn't in the movie this has to be in the movie and then they just filmed it anyway they don't realize that there's this like lattice of coincidence that lays on top of everything give you an example show you what i mean suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp, or plate of shrimp, out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. Well, the whole thing seems like a happy accident, because the the big signature thing is the, the generic food that they place throughout. I love that. What I didn't know is that's actual, those are real food products. Only three of them were fake. The food, the drink, yeah. and the, what was the other one? It was um, butyl nitrate. 
those were those were props, but everything else was apparently Ralph's. Yeah, and it's like Chablis sliced yellow cling peaches, like in the <laughs> the robbery at the store. Uh, you can see a sign in the background that says uh, "Drink Four Pack Three Sixteen. Yes, I mean, it's just that. it's just all over the place. But the fact that a can says "Food," yeah. Oh, and then put it on a plate, son. It'll taste better. <laughs> it's like, come on. The food thing was actually not intended. The food thing was they were supposed to have, uh, you know, labeled food, but they never got, I guess, the permissions. And somebody said, fuck it, let's use this prop food that we were using for blocking anyway. And it ended up being a statement on consumerism. Yeah, they had gone looking for sponsorships to try and sort of subsidize the budget a little bit. And uh, Ralph's had a bunch of out of out of date generic stuff and they just donated it. Them and the, the uh, only two sponsors was that. Go ahead. Well, and I was just saying the and the uh, the other sponsor. Yeah, the uh, air fresheners were the yeah. other sponsor. <laughs> Which and then the one hanging on the fucking motorcycle kills me every time I see it too. It's like that is the dumbest thing ever. So what I don't understand is they sing a seven up jingle at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I don't see how that wasn't a sponsor given that, but I want to say something about the generics, besides them just being awesome and hilarious, that, uh, that uh, I guess, inspired uh, John Lydon to make the Public Image Limited generic album. Yeah. Look like, and branded like that as an album and single. Which, which I, I do have on cassette, CD, and album, the vinyl. I have all three. Oh, you have cassette yeah. and compact disc yeah. and album? Yes, nice. I, ha- I have all three. <laughs> just because. <laughs> May the road rise with you, Chris. Thank you. Total aside, there's an episode of Judge Judy with John Lydon on it. Like, Johnny Rotten is on Judge Judy in 1997. <laughs> Go check this out. I guess he got into a tiff with a drummer on a solo tour nice. 20 years ago. Now, Mr. There's Lydon, no I point in me wasting money on separate individual hotel rooms I don't have when a problem. I'm perfectly a- able to share... Mr. And I'm apparently the pop star. Uh, he, he also does butter commercials, so... <laughs> That's true. And they're very good butter commercials. I will grant you. What, he's in butter commercials? From the UK, yeah. Do I buy Country Life butter because it's British? Ah. What the hell? He got fucked out of his music catalog, and so he needed to buy it back. <laughs> and in order Basically. to do that, he had to raise money. And in order to raise money, he did commercials for butter. Well, I can actually but, uh, see John Lydon doing something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. If anyone can find the episode of American Bandstand where Which they're performing and he is, he is intentionally not limp syncing well oh, and he starts yes. shoving the microphone in the face <laughs> of people who are dancing. Does, I like how they switch the instruments to mid He lip sync. Yeah. But they, like, his mouth doesn't even open. Like yeah. the guitarist and the drummer just, just swap instruments midway through. <laughs> and then when they go back to Dick Clark, he's got this look on his face like, well, what the fuck was that? That's so punk. That's so punk. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like similar to that in the movie. And I think that a lot of it's just happy accident stuff, but it fits. I don't know how they, they pulled it off, but I think the strength of the movie winds up being that it's got so much quotable dialogue. I mean, it's yes. just, I mean, it just, once you see it a couple times, it just stuck in your head and it never goes away. Like I remember in the, in the late eighties. So this would right when I had started school in LA uh, and people were still using answering machines. I had a habit of taking a cassette recorder and recording quotes from movies from the TV. And then I would just play those as my answering machine message. And I had a long spate where every week it was a new Repo Man quote. And it, I, I didn't say anything else. I didn't say, hey, it's Chris, call me back or whatever. It was just this snippet from some crimes. Yeah. Uh, or just the plate of shrimp quote or whatever. And that's all I had. I remember uh, you having the plate of shrimp quote as your answering machine. Yeah. That I think about it. And come to think of it, I never got any messages. It was brilliant. I also, when I rewatched this, I realized that um, it was definitely a thing to do in the 80s and you don't get as much of it anymore. And I think we kind of should see a resurgence of ragging on televangelists. <laughs> it's true. Um, Dianetics. 
Oh yes, the diuretics is what is what <laughs> that's the book what it was. Called. Yeah, but yeah, the actual televangelist is like, I do want your money. You know, God needs your money. You don't need it. Now, my friends, occasionally we get a letter from a viewer that says, "Now, the only reason Reverend Larry comes on your television set is because he wants your money." And you know what? They're right. I do want your money because God wants your money. So I want you to go out and mortgage that home. I think what I love about Repo Man is, again, going back to the, I guess, lack of structure. It's so that it it has freedom to move. You know, it it goes fast. And yeah. I was I was mm. talking before when we were bringing this up. The, the sort of the anarchy that is in this film isn't. It's not because it's a punk film. It's just it's it's anarchic. And there are so many films like this where. They're low on structure, but they are just so mind-bogglingly fast. Like, it's a mad, 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 mad world. It's one of these sort of crazy, all-the-fuck-over-the-place movies where things happen and you just explode laughing because you can't believe what you're seeing. It is is going so fast. Well, the thing I like about It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is that uh, Richard Fleischer, is that the director? I can't remember the name right now. He was a a big big Hollywood director at the time. He did like action movies and dramas and things. And I think one of his Hollywood friends told him just at some party sometime that you'll, I don't ever see you making a comedy. Uh, and so he took it as a dare. And he, so he made pretty much the biggest <laughs> fucking epic comedy you could ever possibly yeah. make. But there are other films like that where it's like, we don't really care about the story. We're just going to give you just enough story to basically set dress it with insanity. And yeah. this mm-hmm. is one of the best films for that. It's one of the first times I'd ever seen that. Uh, Evil Dead Part Two is definitely in that camp. Um, I agree. Mm-hmm. I can't. There, there aren't many of them. I mean, Blues Brothers. I think you brought that one up. Blues Brothers, definitely. Yeah. Uh, oh God, I love the Blues Brothers. Which interesting sidebar. I did read at some point that I think it was after Walker. Or before, it was somewhere around that time. But I, Alex Cox had at one point been attached to do Three Amigos. <laughs> my my, my <laughs> mouth, yeah, my jaw just dropped when I read that one. I'm like, what kind of fucking movie would that be? Alex Cox was he was supposed to make <laughs> Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but he pissed off Hunter Thompson too much. He wrote it, didn't he? He did, but then Hunter Thompson thought that he was going to animate it, and it it pissed him off. There's a documentary on Hunter. Hmm. And they actually showed videotape of the two of them at Woody Creek talking about the movie. And Hunter essentially fires him like <laughs> on the spot <laughs> and calls the producer. I don't know who this son of a bitch is. He wants to animate him. He was making a fucking cartoon out of my work. <laughs> and there it is. Eric's uncanny Hunter S. Thompson impression. Uh, kills me every time. <laughs> it kill, kills me every time. So I, I got to ask because Eric's discussion of cinema of anarchy is has got me questioning whether you can use this concept to defend a movie like the dark knight which frustrates the shit out of me because the plot makes no sense and it really is just about the moment to moment scenes and how you feel and building tension and let's face it the antagonist is an anarchist right i think dark knight doesn't because dark knight has way too much structure it's like Mm -hmm. it's building so such a huge and intricate sandcastle of shit going on if you did that movie again from the joker's perspective i bet you could make that movie but like as it is no it's overstructured i actually think uh scott pilgrim versus the world is almost that except there's still too much structure very structured yeah that, but that's the thing about these anarchy movies is you really get the sense that it was just like, I can't believe they gave us money and a camera. Let's go do some shit, right? Yeah. And like these yeah. guys just go out and do the shit they want to do. And you certainly don't get that vibe from, from Dark Knight. Well, I think, I think another similar one would be Tape Heads. Uh, oh, we finally get the Tape Heads on this podcast. Well, it's similar. <laughs> I, think it owes, I think it owes a great debt to what Repo Man sort of opened the door for. But the only problem with Tape Heads is it... it at times seems very almost forced uh, in the way that they're presenting it. It's yeah. still a fun movie and I still like it, but it, if you compare the two, this and repo man Tapeheads doesn't come out the stronger film just because it's, it's pretty, pretty structured overall. How about UHF? I think UHF counts. That's close. Definitely yeah. counts. That's, and that's really just a collection of sketches that 
that Weird Al wanted to do, right? Yeah, and they yeah. hung a, a storyline about a TV station to make it easy to put the sketches on the station, right? Yeah. Right. Um, tape heads, like, okay, a good example of what you're saying, Chris, like, there's the line about two ninja bitches <laughs> yeah. in tape heads, and yeah. it's delivered so poorly. Like, that's a line that should be quotable and funny, but it's delivered with absolutely no sense of having any fun. Yeah. Making the movie because they had to learn how to do the alphabet backwards in sign language. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna take most of your concentration for the entire shoot, which is still impressive. But then you get stuff in tape heads like 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 if instant failure, fear, false evidence appearing real. I mean, it's you know those are some <laughs> of the things that stick with me. Uh, hey, they managed to get that movie made, and any ordinary man would have given it up a long <laughs> oh, lot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Uh, <laughs> but then you get, uh, conversely, all of the just random quotes from Repo Man that just, they, in the, in, without context, they, they shouldn't make sense, but they're just hilarious. Uh, when I, when I just driving around and one will just pop into my head. And it's not even from the main cast, it's just everybody gets a reasonable line here and there. But one of my mm-hmm. favorites is when the, the guy's trying to get his car at the beginning. Uh, he's like, you're going to give me my car? I got to come to your house and shove your dog's head down the toilet. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is he talking about? It's just these this random is, one-ups. This is a good time to bring up the TV version because yeah. a, lot of, a lot of these lines get even funnier in the TV version where they, where they dub, right? So instead yeah. of fuck you, it's flip you. Instead of motherfucker, it's melon farmer. Melon farmer. farmer. <laughs> yeah, that's one um, of my favorites. Watch it, melon farmer. Flip you, you punk. One of my favorite ones didn't make the movie, but I'm sure they wanted it in the movie because it's in the soundtrack where life says, you know how only one way to tell if a woman really loves you, if she'll have your dog. I thought that's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's good. I love the punker who says, you know, everybody does it. It seems like a thing to do. Like he's being conformist. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just they're all over the place. But it's, you know, they're like, uh, what's his name? Is it Gary, the, the goofy friend from the grocery store? I always forget yeah. his name. Uh, but, you know, it's oh, like, there, yeah. there's fucking Kev, uh, Kev, Kevin. Uh, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. There's fucking room to move as a fry cook. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, <laughs> way to set your sights high, buddy. It's yeah. good. So the These... story behind the scenes on that guy is he, he was really into the punk scene. And they did the scene where the circle jerks are playing... Um, when the shit hits the fan in the club, and he introduces himself like, "Hey, you know, I I play Kevin, the nerdy guy," and they're like, "So," and yeah. he ended up that guy ended up joining the Circle Jerks yeah. later on, Xander Slosh, yeah. which is funny, and that that ultimately is one of my favorite songs from the entire soundtrack because it's that lounge version, and they don't even have the drummer; they're using a drum machine, and it's just like that, you know, just sort of mid tempo, sort of hey. And uh, I think that was the first version of that song I had heard. And so when I heard the mm-hmm. real version off of uh, Golden Shower Hits, it was really jarring because it was an actual like up-tempo, sped-up punk song that was really angry. And I'm like, this is not the same song. This is what? We just get by. Well, the soundtrack is just as quotable as the movie, right? Like, Pablo yeah. Picasso was never called an asshole. When I'm 13 and I hear that, I am laughing my ass off. Well, yeah, and then that's actually a cover from The Modern Lovers, which I didn't know for years and years and really? years. Yeah, and so that's Jonathan Richman uh, singing the original. And it's it's still a good song, but the burning sensations were off, like, off of the uh, Belly of the Whale song that they did that was a big hit. Uh <laughs> Really? And yeah, and so they they did this for the soundtrack, and it's and I like it because it's the way they've got it placed in the movie. It totally fits with how big of a dick Otto kind of is uh, through the whole thing. Right, so it, it works. I'm sorry. The name of the friend was Waldo, and oh, okay. uh, this is interesting because the the sequel that was written for this movie was Waldo's mm-hmm. Hawaiian Holiday. And yes. uh, Cox couldn't get it made, so it was turned into a graphic novel, which is a, a highfalutin word for comic book. And that's how it exists now. It came out in 2008. Instead of that, 
uh, Alex Cox made Repo Chick, which I brought to your attention earlier this week, as yeah. the not really a sequel because an actual sequel would involve lawyers from Universal shutting him down. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things they say it shares the DNA with Repo Man. The fuck which, it does. But you can't take us to court for that. And so they uh. made this 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 sequel uh, for under two hundred thousand dollars because there are uh, Screen Actors Guild rules that allow you to I don't know make a film without having to pay Not everyone pay scale. scale. If it's yeah. under two hundred thousand, so and they shot it on almost all green screen. It looks just it looks just horrible, horrible. It's amazingly bad. It looks worse than like children's television shows. Well, and the green screen thing, I think, is a good technique if they do it well. Like Iron Sky is a fun one for that. Uh, sure, Kung Fury, Kung Fury. That, yeah, uh, but this one, I saw the trailer today after Eric had uh, found the the link. I mean, I didn't even bother to look, but then after he sent that, I went and looked, and I'm like, this is fucking awful. Yeah. It's like, this looks like a third grader made it. And this looks just, like a fan film. That's the thing. It looks yeah, like yeah, somebody yeah. who likes Repo Man a lot made no, it. No, fan films look better. Like, <laughs> so if you go on YouTube and you just, like, watch, you know, whatever, like, again, the Channel Awesome Nostalgia Critic shit, like, it's higher production values than this shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's like, oh, dude. But I guess, whatever. I mean, he, I guess Alex Cox taught film at some university in Chicago, I want to say. And he's actually got a textbook that he wrote called Introduction to Film. So he's still active. Uh, and he's, you know, he went to UCLA film school. So, I mean, he knows about film, but it's just all of the, the stuff he's made in the last 25-ish years, 30 years. It's just, what the well, hell? Technically, what the you hell went to this? UCLA film school, but what did that get you? I went to USC anyway. film school. Oh, I'm sorry. USC. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Technically. None of that actually even matters. It's there is a marketplace for filmmakers that is glutted with people yeah. who are, you know, all sorts of talented, but they're all fighting for some position, some something to get something made. I'm pretty sure this uh, um, Better Than Money is the name of the documentary they made on the making of Repo mm -hmm. Chick. And in it, he's talking about how I'm making this for super cheap on the outside hopes that it'll actually turn a profit. And that's kind of how filmmakers get work now is to be able to sh show their profitability. So he's, he's, he's doing what he can to, I guess, get his next job. If you think of it, it's probably harder for a filmmaker than it is for a struggling actor in, in Hollywood, because there are millions of struggling actors, but there's also a lot more work. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. It actually mirrors a lot of the, uh, the themes from repo man, I guess in one way or another. And it's also, yeah, it it is kind of a sellout. Is it? And I think that's the that's a theme of Gen X. Yeah, it's a theme of Gen X that we're at the time we were all like, I won't sell out, and years later we're like, God, I wish somebody would have told me how I could sell out. I want cash. No, wait a minute. I would I would suggest <laughs> that that Repo Chick is anything but selling out. It's like guerrilla filmmaking. You know, he's just. Yeah slapping images together i mean for all we know the script is brilliant i i can't get past how shit the trailer is to even bother myself to find out but yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty awful everything that i can see uh, that that he would he would glom onto his one true su previous success repo man by making yeah. repo chick if, if if he really believed in this yeah. material he would have called it you know anything else young women in pink who hold guns <laughs> or you know whatever is going on uh, in that trailer all i can think Catholic of just, high school girls in trouble yeah ordinary fucking people i hate them that's that should be the title <laughs> god damn it god damn dipshit rodriguez gypsy dildo punks <laughs> that's another good one I'm going to put the TV version of that on the podcast. That lame, dumb, slump, ridiculous, gypsy, devil, punk! <laughs> yeah, well, it also reminds me of the uh, the uh, Big Lebowski when it's on regular TV, and it's when yep. John Goodman is beating the shit out of the car. Dude. And he's like, this is what happens when you meet a stranger in the Alps, Larry. See what happens, Larry? <laughs> See what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? He sounds like a great big chicken just waiting to be plucked. We would be sloppy. You calling us sloppy? I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday play. But any favorite quotes that we haven't actually discussed yet that crop into your skull? I'll make you a repo wife. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I always forget that one. And then I see the movie and I think, oh, 
That's harsh, man. Society is to blame for this life of crime that I lead. (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit. You're a white suburban punk just like me. (laughs) But it still hurts. (laughs) (laughs) What about our relationship? Uh, Fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, that was beautiful. The thing that strikes me as funny when I watch it now, because I've seen it so many times that I can kind of just focus in on bits. And the one that now kills me is when you see Otto driving around and you, so you get the early scene with Harry Dean Stanton doing the repo code where it's like, you know, I will Mm -hmm. not buy action harm or let harm come to the vehicle, whatever it is. Uh, I can never remember the whole thing, which nobody else follows. Yeah. And then when you, and then, so when you see Otto with him, he's following the rules, but then when he's riding around with light and they're like pulling guns and, breaking into cars so he's breaking all of bud's rules but light's main rule is everybody rides with me always wears a seat belt but then when you see Otto riding around with harry dean stanton as bud he's never wearing his seat belt so he's always like following these different mentors and they've all got these stupid different rules <laughs> it just always goes off into these weird places i'm like what is this kid supposed to do so behave appropriately for the people you're with that's so punk when in rome that's so punk <laughs> I shall not cause harm to any vehicle, nor the personal contents thereof, nor through inaction let that vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm. I shall not cause harm to any vehicle, nor the personal contents thereof, nor through inaction let that vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm. That's what I call the repo code, kid. Don't forget it. Etch Don't it forget in your it. Brain. Etch it in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> all right exactly. so we're at the one hour mark do we have any like closing thoughts hey man you can't rush punk rock dude watch repo man it's really good it's really funny yeah um and if you're actually a millennial and you watch it i'd really like to hear your opinions on this because mm. it's it's made in a whole different universe it's like when I tried to watch um, any of the Orson Welles film noir films, and I went, well, what shit? You know, or if you watch like hippie counterculture stuff. Yeah, which usually isn't very good. Like, like Touch of Evil. It's considered a classic by the generation before us, and I watch it and I go, ah, fuck you. And I wonder, you know, like if millennials would watch Repo Man and go, ah, fuck you. Oh, almost certainly. Like they'll point to a movie like Thirteen as being their their equivalent of Repo Man. <laughs> well, I mm. think they will probably glom onto something more like SLC Punk, frankly, because it's more current uh, as sort of the the bellwether for that type of thing. A project but even X. that you couldn't have, couldn't have been made without Repo Man existing. I don't think. Yeah. So there's a lot a lot that is owed to the pinnacle of Alex Cox's film output. Uh, one repo man so watch uh, it yeah do it it happens sometimes people just explode natural causes <laughs> <laughs> this is all over the place uh, eyes melt skin explodes everybody dead there's just so many in it so miller did you do a lot of acid in them hippie days <laughs> it's the lattice of coincidence come on very very solid I like how we're coming up with quotes now that we're not asking the question, hey, what are some of your favorite quotes? <laughs> you just can't help it. This is what happens when you talk about Repo Man. You just, it devolves Let's have into a war. The- we need the space. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right then. So that's Repo Man. We actually did a show about a movie we like. Although, I'm, ter- I'm telling you, you need to go watch uh, Quincy. You need to go watch Chips. Uh, you need to go watch the-, the Day My Kid Went Punk. It'll change your life. I hate you so fucking much right now. Yeah, you totally don't. You really don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Maybe maybe you need to see it from a a, a, a cultural studies perspective, but you don't no, need to see that no, shit. No, no. Also, no. Uh, this is for Eric, but uh, back in the 70s, uh, Don Rickles had a show called CPO Sharky. Where yeah, I remember that. Like a, oh, a yeah. Marine. And I guess they did a punk-themed episode, and the Dickies were the punk band yeah, in that show. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. <laughs> so. Dickies are a fucking great band, yeah. Oh, uh, also, uh, of note in punk rock culture, because the British are way ahead of us in a lot of things, well, since they invented it, uh, the Young Ones, Vivian, and yes. uh, the the band selections on, on that show sometimes were... Or, let's see, I think they had The Damned and That was the, probably the first time I saw The Damned Was that, that yeah. show, frankly 
Well, that was the question I wanted to ask. Eric was, uh, again, the Repo Man soundtrack being as influential as it was, when when it came to you, were you like, yeah, I've heard all this shit, or did it, it hip you to some stuff? Uh, yeah, it, it, I, okay, let's see. I had that Circle Jerks album. I had that Suicidal Tendencies album. Uh, I think I had a cassette tape of that single of TV Party, but it was a different recording. So I knew a lot of those songs, but then a lot of that stuff, like the plugs or uh, that the the Pablo Picasso song, stuff like that, I hadn't heard. And I think those were mm-hmm. probably bigger on K Rock in LA. Uh, sure. So they were like they were in the ether, but yeah. I I just knew like the you know the I guess the known things, anything that could manage to crawl its way to Tempe, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, I well, heard the, the plugs is actually a good one for that too because I had heard that I had only heard them on the Repo Man soundtrack, but then years later uh, I found the Better Luck record, which has some of the tracks that appear on the uh, the Repo Man soundtrack. And that is a really fucking good record if you if you can find it. Uh, yeah. It's called Better Luck by the Plugs from nineteen. I think the stuff with the plugs on that album is some of my favorite stuff. Like yeah. that 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 end song, the the whole last two minutes of the movie. Yeah, real ten. This stuff they do is great. So there you go. There's just so much Yay. good stuff. We could we could talk about this all night, but we're not going to. So no. we'll take you out with the plugs. We're middle aged men, and we have plugs. I got. It. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> etch it in your brain. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to episode 18 uh, that will have a title by the time we finish it. Find us on Twitter at MagHuge, Facebook uh, at Magnificently Huge. Uh, where else are we? Tumblr at Magnificently Huge. We have an Insta, Insta account now, too. Oh, yeah. What's that one? Instagram. That's a good one. No, uh, and then our, what, our email. What are we on Instagram? Magnificently Huge. Okay. And for God's sake, share us on your... It's less important what our social accounts are. We need it to be on your feeds, please. You, you, I said this in the last episode. If you're listening to this, you know us. Come on, don't be dicks. Put, put us on your social feeds. Share it around. You're friends of ours. Please. You know what? If you have a podcast and you're, you mention us, uh, uh, we'll mention you. You know. We'll, totally. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll give you the reach around, as it were. Yeah. Uh, I guess what we're saying is there's room to move as a fry cook. There it is, episode 18, all about Repo Man, one of our favorite movies of all time. Thanks again for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week, hopefully without any references to Quincy or chips or after-school specials, but no promises. So, yeah, seek us out on the Twitter, on the Facebook, Instagram, Send us emails to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We want your suggestions. We want your opinions. We want uh, just to hear from you. Because we do this for you. We don't do this for ourselves. We do this for you. So thanks for listening. Be back next week for episode 19. And whatever the hell that may be, uh, we still don't know, frankly. (laughs) So thanks for dropping by. Cheers. <laughs>